The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning, guys. You know, interesting, we were just talking off air, Don, and 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 what has been happening in the past week and so uh, and such. And you said an interesting phrase. You said the economy is showing signs of cracking. What does that mean? You know what? They, they've constantly put these interest rates up, which they had to. Of course, inflation being one of the biggest detriments to retirement and a lot of planning. So we get the whole idea and they're trying to maintain, uh, contain inflation. And you're starting to see it now. Um, you're seeing manufacturing certain areas there. Um, they have capacity. You can get computer chips, no problem now, as you could, you know, not long ago. Uh, bicycles, things you couldn't get in the pandemic are now no problem at all. Um, cars, same idea. You're seeing the used car market go down because people can buy used on uh, new cars. Those are all things because that were based on demand during the pandemic. And now it's not, yes, the supply is caught up to demand, but the demand has reduced. And why is the re- demand reduced? Because people can't afford it at the end of the day. You know, it, it, it's starting to crack. It's starting to show in a lot of where areas. Um, one area would be how long does an average listing take to sell? Right. Uh, before you, you put your any place up and that weekend you had 100 people walk through your place and there'd be a bidding war. And so that's not happening. And this is 100% interest rate driven. So the demand side is slowing down. And so the supply is area is starting to show capacity. And I know Mitch is going to be discussing all about the mortgage side of things right now. Yeah, thanks for throwing me in there. I know that the average days on the market are definitely a lot more than during COVID. Uh, but I will say they're they are improving. Uh, if you look at August last year in 2022, compared to August 2023, it was about 28 days on the market was average in Hamilton, which is where our office is uh, for most properties. And and that's the median, actually. So the median amount is 28 days. And this year in 2023 was about 24 days. So slightly less, four days less, which is trending in the right direction. But it's definitely no no bidding war selling in one day like it was during COVID. Um, there, you could have just put anything on the market with holes in the walls and it was going to get a bidding war yeah. at that point. Mm. So a little, definitely a different market now. You have to, the the realtors are having to find the right buyer. They're having to find someone who's right for the situation, who's saved up and they're not going to overextend themselves like they used to. They might even get houses for under asking right now compared to before. If you got asking, that was unheard of during COVID. You're having to go in bidding wars and definitely go over asking firm with no conditions. And you're just not seeing that as much right now. But things are trending slightly better as the interest rates do start to slow down a little bit right now. You can see that even Canada paused their interest rate, US paused their interest rates. They may rise again in the future. That's that's neither here nor there. They could go down, it could go up. Uh, they'll have to see how inflation trends right now. But um, the correction in the Canadian housing market has been going on for about a year and a half. Uh, it's, it's often been lagging the stock market. Um, the stock market this year has done 
okay. Uh, you're looking at the S&P, which is a S&P 500, which is a broad U.S. index, uh, about 15% up. And uh, housing still kind of staying down from where it was last year. So last year, a lot of areas were down 20 to 30%. And they haven't recovered too much. You're seeing houses in Hamilton, condos in Hamilton that were selling for about 800000 to eight fifty for a condo in downtown Hamilton. And now they're being listed for six fifty, and they're having trouble selling right now. They're potentially being on the market for over three weeks. And the the listing, just they're, they're just there kind of sitting and hoping to find the right buyer. So it's a little bit of a different market. Um, stocks are trending more in the right direction a little quicker just because I, I think liquidity is better. It's a lot easier to get in the market when it's low and people continue to buy that also uh, on a monthly basis, which we preach all the time, paying yourself monthly and just having automated payments. Uh, you can't just automatically buy pieces of a house throughout right. the year. So yeah. <laughs> a little yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it may be, a, but you're also seeing some of the higher, more expensive houses. People are, seem to be, from what I see anyway, and people I've talked to, um, they may not even put them on the market or they're just delaying that. Um, yeah. Possibly there's not as much supply. They're just, and a lot of people are even renting out their houses now trying to generate money. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you're saying the higher ones are tougher to sell. That's a, something I was going to point out earlier when you're saying the bikes and stuff like that. It's luxury items are just tougher to sell in general and people are getting rid of them because the interest rates have gone up and they can no longer afford to have those uh, expensive cars, those cottages, the things that they bought during COVID. So higher price items like luxury homes are a lot tougher sell, especially when interest rates are so high. Uh, mortgage rates have gone from lows of about one and a half percent to now uh, you can get a five year for about 6.35 uh, with uh, no CMHC insurance on it. So, or it might be higher as well. The fixed variables are around 6.8. So a lot of people are going in fixed right now. I, I know we've talked to our mortgage specialist and she mentioned that everyone's going fixed right now. They like to lock in. Uh, especially with the stress test being a lot higher. So if you you always have to qualify for your rate plus 2%. And so right now for a 6.35% fixed rate, you'd have to qualify at 8.35%. And for a 6.8% variable, you have to qualify at 8.8. So it's tougher to qualify for the variable, but also people are scared of the variable because people who went in variable when it was around one and a half percent are now looking at interest rates at 6.8, maybe some over 7%. So it's the variable is a scary place to get in when things are, when things are going the opposite way. But a lot of people wanted to go there during COVID because they had that under 2% rate and they were so pumped. Well, even you look back to the last uh, 20 years or so, I mean, variable was always an option and uh, it really wasn't much of a risk, but we've just gone through a historic rate increase. Bang, 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 one rate after the other. So boy, th that would be very difficult if you were in that scenario. Yeah, and, and I, you're, you're absolutely right, Scott. And most people um, love the, the ride down is great and variable. But yeah. going up is very painful and you have to adjust your budget. Basically, every time there's a rating rate, every time there's a rating, yeah. you have to change your spending habits because it comes, it's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And, and that brings me to a good point. Well, what should you do if you're looking to get into the market? So if you're, if you haven't bought yet and you're thinking about it, or if you have a mortgage renewing soon. So let's take a look at an example. I'd like to 
uh, getting the higher interest rates, it's not always a bad thing. The overall cost of the house is down. So 20% down on the house, that means your down payment's not going to have to be as much, which also means your debt's not going to be as big. It's an interesting psychological thing with humans that uh, most rather have a larger debt at a lower interest rate, but you'll you'll still have a massive debt. So some, <laughs> some people rather have the, the house that was a million dollars at a 2% interest rate rather than an $800,000 uh, mortgage at a 6% interest rate. You, st you still have that massive debt. You still owe that $200,000 more, even though your interest rate's lower. So that's an interesting thing to, to think about there. So let's take an example that you buy a house at a million dollars and the interest rates were uh, around 3%. You locked in for five years. Let's say you did it maybe just before COVID and 2020 or 2019 somewhere around there and you put 20 percent down two hundred thousand dollars and now you have an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage your monthly payment is going to be thirty seven hundred and eighty five dollars a month and after the five years you're it's going to be about six hundred eighty three thousand eight hundred remaining on it so now let's look at current conditions and you buy a house that is 20 percent cheaper at eight hundred thousand and you put 20 percent down so you put eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars down uh, so you have a $640,000 mortgage at 5.6% uh, interest, which would be a, a very good promotional rate right now um, that you can find. Uh, it's tougher to find, but I did manage to find a few places. Uh, your monthly payment is going to be $3,906. And after five years of your mortgage, you're going to have $570,000 owing. So now let's reduce the mortgage to 3% and meet the other mortgage rate. So now that the 570,000 on the mortgage is $2,700 a month and 110,000 less in mortgage debt, the, the one in example A is $1,000 a month cheaper payment and has $110,000 less in debt. So you're gonna be a lot better off even if you're taking a larger debt right now and then the housing market, the interest rates start to come down in a few years, which they do intend on getting, bringing them back down. They're just trying to tame inflation. So even taking a higher debt rate, uh, a lower debt right now with a higher interest rate, not isn't necessarily a bad thing to do. I know our, our mortgage specialist and I were talking the other day and uh, she's recommending either a uh, one or two year mortgage for a lot of people. So a 12 or 24 month mortgage because mortgage rates are already starting to come down a bit. You were start you were seeing 7% plus five-year fixed rate mortgages. And now uh, you're seeing some that are under six if you're lucky. But uh, if you get a 24-month rate, it's 6.79%. Uh, and our 48-month with IG is 6.19. So if you did lock in at that 6.19, you're going to be stuck there for four years. But if you lock in at, for 24 months at 6.79 and then it comes back down and you're getting it around four and a half percent, you're going to be saving yourself quite a bit of money in that example. So if you did lock into a mortgage it's for two years, you're going to be saving yourself a lot of money. And I did do an example here that if you locked in to a mortgage for five years at 6.35 and your mortgage is 640000 at the end of it, it's worth 577000 But the other example, if you locked in at two years for 6.79 and then a three-year at 4.25, which realistically in two years, you could get back down to that. That was before COVID and that was pretty close to the posted rate, which was actually not what people were getting. People were getting below that. So let's take 4.25. I, I don't think that's unreasonable. And the balance of your mortgage after the five years is going to be 572000 So after those five years of putting that mortgage strategy in place instead of just locking in for five right now, you're going to save yourself about $5,800 by doing that. 
So it's a good laddered approach to do that. Uh, obviously, interest rates could go up slightly more, but mortgage rates, they do forecast them coming down, uh, which they already started to right now. So it is a good thing to talk to your financial planner about. Uh, they have great, we have great resources. Um, our mortgage specialists have a whole team here and they're always uh, reaching out to clients and letting them know strategies of how they can reduce their debt and whether they should lock in or if they should take a variable uh, at this time. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Don, I meant to ask uh, and Mitch at the top of the show, uh, rumblings this past week over Alberta opting out of the Canada pension plan and doing their own thing. How does that work or will it? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great question. And as soon as I read that, I, I was looking, okay, how did they get over 50% of the Canada pension plan? This is something that all Canadians yeah. have contributed. It's based on number of Canadians contributing and where they live, the bulk of which live in Ontario. And so if anything, um, and of course, there's Vancouver, Montreal, but Quebec has their own QPP, Quebec Pension Plan, which was started in the same year as the Canada Pension Plan. So they never actually like separated from our Canada Pension. They just had their own rate. For, and basically, it's identical. So their contributions, everything's the same. They just did a parallel one. Now, in our case, we've been adding to this for quite some time. They've enhanced it. And then all of a sudden, um, I don't know which calculator this lady was using. Um, in terms of uh, going through that they're entitled to half of it. It works out on population. They're entitled to about 16% of it. So mm. it would be a political hot potato p- potato in Alberta if they ever pursued this. And I think most Albertans probably would say, no, we don't want to do that. Because at the end of the day, it's a simply a pension fund. Mm-hmm. And it's just a big, massive pension fund. It gets invested a certain way. It's trying to make the best returns it can possibly do. And it is one of the areas that we are already paying for. So what parts of retirement are already paying for? Well, Canada Pension is one of them. So if you go back, it's kind of funny. Time goes by. And I know, Scott, you and I were talking about, you know, retirement isn't that far off, like that magic 65 number. I know. Yes, you're right. Okay. So it's it's getting closer, and you know we talking. Oh, uh, that's still twenty years away. That's still fifteen years away. Oh, geez, that's only five years away. Whatever well, the see, number is. You see, Don, I don't recognize uh, how old I'm getting till I talk to you, and you two, you tell me how old you're getting. Then I think, well, geez, <laughs> and we're both the same age, basically. Yeah, so yes. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny if you go back to, uh, you know, the rock hopeful Paul McCartney wrote a song back when he was fourteen years old. And you may have heard of this Beatles song, When I'm 64. (laughs) (laughs) And basically the chorus is, it said, we'll still need me. Will you still feed me? You know, et cetera, when I'm 64. Well, weirdly enough, Canada will 
we do have social systems and they will more or less help to, you know, contribute to your retirement. And Canada Pension Plan is the, one of the biggest ones. And the reason is, is again, we, we add a lot of money to it. It's on a monthly basis and you don't have a choice. If you are making a paycheck from anywhere, self-employed, doesn't matter, you are paying into this. Now, I would suggest the only exception might be some people that are illegally taking cash. But are they really helping them themselves? Because now they're not contributing to a pension fund and yeah. they don't have CPP disability. And I've actually seen this come back and unfortunately hurt those ones that were kind of thinking they're skirting the system and they end up getting a far less um, Canada pension plan. As so, long as when they're saving the tax, they're putting that money towards their own Canada pension plan. But I don't think many do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it all sounds great on paper. But um, you know what? It's To me, it would be no different than any government pension fund. It's nice to have that that one level or one fallback area of saying, okay, at least I know I'm making this much money per month. And that's what Canada pension plan is. And it's a fair bit of money if you look at it. It's based on, um, first of all, you have to be earning an income. So you have to make a certain amount of income to qualify, um, not to qualify, but to, to contribute. There's a maximum to top it out. And that changes each each year. This year is somewhere in the 60,000 range, but it, it keeps been moving up. So you're a lot more of your contributions are going to it. It is not a exclusive club. Everybody is is basically contributing to this. If you're filing an income tax return, you have a declared income by working. You can't, this isn't from investment income. It's only from working. You will be collecting. Now, when you do collect, it's not, it is a bit complicated. There's a lot of things that go into this. And it basically, ideally, you should go back and look at, say, a notice of assessment. But you can actually go on the CRA website and check out how much you will be getting at Canada from your Canada pension plan. And it will actually go through every year you maximized it. So as a student, you would have contributed, but you likely did not con you did not maximize your CPP. But it would actually show the amount you contributed uh, while you're going to university, college, high school, and then when you started your first job, and maybe your income was low at first. So how how do you figure out if you've uh, contributed for the maximum or if you're sitting on the line? How, how much do you have to pay into it for how many years before you get it all? Well, it's about forty years. Right. But there is an it's an eight year dropout period. So meaning you can take off eight of the lower years. And so if you were away from work for child reasons, um, child rearing years, or if you were um, longer post-secondary trying to get going. So somebody starting at, say, 20 and going to 60, they would have contributed the maximum if they contribute the maximum for all those years, for sure. But there is a dropout year. So it is complicated. I would suggest all the all the listeners just go to the CRA site and try to find. It's not easy to find. I'll have to admit it took me a bit of time. Or you can actually just um, go to uh, Service Canada and they will give you or send get you or mail it to you what your maximum will be. And most people will not get the maximum. Right now, the maximum this year is $1,306.57 a month. Pretty significant. So, you know, you look at that amount of money on a yearly basis, a fair bit. However, the average is actually $760 a month. So people are literally getting just over half of what the maximum is. So 
it, it's a big swing. Based is that on, is that simply because they're taking it early, Don? Uh, not paid or not paid enough into it. There's most of it is they didn't pay enough into it. Okay, yeah. but you're absolutely right. Um, if you took it early, that is also part of it, and you would yeah. get a thirty six percent decrease if you take it say at 60 versus 65. All the calculations are based on somebody taking it at 65. Now, we've talked about many times, you can actually defer this all the way to age 70, which isn't all bad. You will actually get a 42% um, increase on your Canada Pension Plan. So basically, if you're getting 1306 um, and you're getting a 42% increase, all of a sudden now you're getting 1854 a month uh, at 70, so that's 22,000 a year. And that's, by the way, both of these are indexed. So either are indexed and it does make a, 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 big, a big difference. So Canada Pension Plan at one time was considered an anti-poverty measure. It was really to, to provide a bare minimum 25% of a person's income at retirement. So recently they've changed this and they said, okay, let's try to bring this. And they got this called a CPP enhancement really doesn't affect you and I, Scott, too much because we're kind of late in the game of contributing. Mitch, on the other hand, uh, being 31 years old, you would actually be contributing and you will get a lot more of this enhancement. And this enhancement will actually get the younger folks, particularly the millennials and younger, to up to 33% of a person's average lifetime earnings rather than the current one, which is 25%. So basically a third versus a quarter. Pretty reasonable. Of course, we're paying for it. It's coming off our paycheck. Do people need to pay for it? My opinion, we've been doing this for a awful long time. Yes, they do. <laughs> left, left to our own devices, humans aren't great savers. Putting off immediate gratification, that is saving. And you know what? Are we good at it? I know for sure we are not. This is why co company pension plans and things are have done so well for people for retirement. And you'll actually see the poverty, um, number of people in poverty decrease when they hit 60. Why? Is because they're starting to collect their Canada Pension Plan early. Mm. So now there's another cornerstone to our overall retirement. And we've talked about this before, but I'm just trying to put it in simple terms. You want to layer your retirement income and, and create this retirement paycheck. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, Canada Pension Plan, it doesn't amount to much. Well, yeah, well, 1306 a month um, currently, an index, that's $15,672. That's at 65. Now, if you if you're, have a partner that has also worked throughout the time, now you can double that. So now you're getting $31,000 at 65 if you both contributed the maximum. Now, that's unlikely, but that is a sizable amount of income. And so you look at the two and you're looking at 2,600 a month, or you can wait till 70 and get about $4,400 a month. So yes, there is stuff that we're already contributing to. Now, old age security, totally different. It is there to help retirement. You can't take it early. You can't take it at 60. You have to wait till 65. But like CPP, you can wait till 70. Big important point there. A lot of people still aren't aware of this. So if a lot of people are working past the age of 65 and they're thinking, oh, perfect. I'm going to get my OAS and I'm going to work. Well, you get what we call as clawback. And if you're making over $87,000 this year, you start to lose some of your old age security. I highly recommend do not start your old age security 
if you're still earning a, a good income at 65. And again, you really should kind of put this pension puzzle together with your financial planner because it is, it is complicated and there's ways to get around things so you don't pay more tax. But on old age security, you have to live in Canada for 40 years. Doesn't matter if you worked, doesn't matter what you did. Um, you just have to be here as a permanent resident or a citizen for 40 years. And this is kind of interesting. So you, we have some clients that have moved from different countries and we, it's almost assumed they're going to get their old age security. And I know they've, they may have done their own kind of retirement planning, but they've forgotten they weren't there that many years. So if you're there for 30 of the 40, you're literally getting a quarter less per month. Well, it's a, uh, a reasonable amount of money also, that's $691 per month. Well, $691 plus the $1306, if you maxed out your CPP, there's two grand a year, two grand a month just in government pensions. So not bad. Now, those uh, recent change, those that are now 75 are getting a 10% bump and they will be at $760 per month this year. And if you have very little savings, there's one more layer that the government has put in called guaranteed income supplement. And the, you can only get guaranteed income supplement if you started your old age security. And it's kind of interesting. If we've taken somebody that's retired, they haven't started their RSP. They haven't taken anything out of their RSPs. They may have downsized their house. They can get an income from their investments. They could have a million dollars sitting there getting this income, collecting their old age security delaying their Canada pension plan and actually qualify for the guaranteed income supplement. And that supplement is actually can be as high as $1,043 a month or another 12,000 a year. Now you won't get it long, but it is a mix in the equation. And it's really for those, and it's not asset tested, it's only income tested. So again, might be part of the equation, likely not for most clients, but it is something I just talked to a client last week and they got one years of uh, one year of guaranteed income supplement because they're putting off both their Canada pension plan and their um, their RIF payment. So then the next layer is uh, employee pensions. We've talked about this. There's two types. There is the defined contribu contribution plan, which is more the, the common way now. Most most companies have gone to this where you've put money in and the company matches it. I must, you know, kind of look at though is if you are part of this plan, look at where you're investing your money. Extremely important. The default often is not good. I've seen a lot of people sitting in money market funds or cash, hardly earning anything. So it is a responsibility to the employee now to talk to the financial planner. I know with us, we often look at the overall mix. What are you doing with the company plan? What are you doing with your personal plan? And we try to create the allocation based on the overall look, not just keeping them separate. And of course, then there is the old fashioned, and now I would call the Cadillac plan, called the defined benefit plan, which looks at your years of service um, and the years of service and how much you made and your best five years, that type of thing. And you know, very few companies are offering that now, but they are mainly in the public sector. So at the end of the day, what is the best route to go? Well, back in, it wasn't long ago, people just took their Canada Pension Plan at, at age uh, 65 because it wasn't that big of a deal if you wait, put it off. 
but now they've increased it to 42%. So the strategies we've been talking about on the air for a few years now, Scott, and funny enough, I'm reading more and more about the strategy. So I guess the listeners are, uh, are out there too, is putting it off till 70 and cashing in your RSPs between 65 and 70 and grabbing that extra difference. And it's, it's, it's remarkable the amount of money that you, depending on your longevity. Now, if you're, if you're not doing health-wise, you're not doing as well, you might take it at 60. But I, very popular is still taking it at 60. And I did a, in a, a situation here, one person starting at 60, one person or delaying it till 70 with inflation only at 2%. And instead, the break-even point works out to age 76. So if you live past age 76, you'd be better off taking it 70 versus 60. And talk about extra money. If you live to, you can start, let's say, oh, okay, I'll live to age 80. How much more money? Well, an extra 70 grand in your pocket. If you live to age 90, how much more money? An extra $274,000 just based on CPP for one person by waiting till 70 versus 60. And if you hit the... If you did make it to that magic 100 number, an extra half a million dollars that you would receive versus taking it at 60 by delaying it to 70. So we're not talking chump change here. So important to sit down with your financial planner and work out this retirement puzzle together. Get us the gold-plated walker, that's for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, We were talking to some family friends who are a bit older than us. What do you miss the most about working? And they said, the money. (laughs) (laughs) We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Taking a break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, before you get to your topic, Mitch, of... uh, being scared to spend in retirement. I understand you got a bit of a hot financial tip for us here. So I got my pen. Let's go. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, all right. Are you ready? Yeah. So over the last week, I have seen nothing but news about this and over 400% gain just this week. Are you ready? Are you ready? 400% gain. So if you invested in a Travis Kelsey jersey, you're up 400% right now. And you can thank the the Swifties, uh, the army of Swifties who have taken over the world right now. You have to get in a massive virtual lineup just to hope and pray that you can buy a ticket. It's almost like trying to buy a master's ticket at this point. You have to get in a virtual queue and then pray and hope. And I know my sister's like, she's she's working the system and i bet you, I, I bet you she's, so she's not even a chiefs fan but i bet you she's getting a travis kelsey jersey <laughs> uh, so they're uh, i bet you they're double price now and she's probably going to go to missouri sometime soon oh uh, uh, yeah i cannot they, they, I, taylor swift has been changing the world that's for they, sure they I, had cannot, to I cannot we, 
I cannot sure. wait to be uh, hear about the next uh, family dinner at the Fox household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely know what I'm getting her for Christmas. Oh, that's good. Oh, you can't afford be sold it now. They went up yeah, yeah, they went up 400%. Yeah, he, Travis, his Instagram also got 300,000 followers the next day after last week's Sunday's game. So, Man. Uh, so, I mean, you're talking about companies making money. The NFL, the Chiefs, uh, Jersey sales, Travis Kelsey, just because she went to this game and she's drawing in an audience, right? Like she's, the NFL is getting an audience. They never thought that they would ever get. This is the best thing that could happen. And literally, Taylor Swift moves the needle on anything she touches right now. She is a dynamo and good for her. But let's get to your topic here, Mitch. I, I, I want her to come talk about my topic because think of our ratings like, oh, my God, uh, she comes oh, and talks about retirement. Oh, man, everyone's oh, going to be on this. We'd have but, a lineup. Out, we'd have a lineup down uh, down Main Street or King Street uh, they, coming to the office. They apparently had to wheel her out in a popcorn cart to skip the security line from the Kelsey's box. So uh, you can imagine what, how we'd have to try to get her in or out of her wait, office. Wait, wait, wait a sec. They had to wheel her out in the popcorn cart or they couldn't get her out of the popcorn cart? They had I'm to wheel sure her out. So this is like a, a, a gray popcorn cart. Uh, so during her shows, they, doesn't like to, they don't like to see her walking from stage to stage. So they put her in this like little box and she crouches in there and they wheel her from one spot to another so that the crowd doesn't see her. So they did this. At, apparently, they did this at the Chiefs game, took her from the box in a popcorn cart with some staff because they had police chiefs everywhere, security everywhere, a massive lineup out this box just waiting to catch a glimpse. And next thing you know, this popcorn cart just goes wheeling out and no one ever saw Kel no one ever saw Taylor. But then she's magically downstairs and going off into the car with a. Uh, Travis Kelsey, so she was for sure in that popcorn cart. Oh, that's funny. You got to be careful with stuff like that because you could end up going out with the laundry. You know, you're on the team bus and no one knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah Most famous uh, NFL supporter now by a long shot. Oh so. man, there, there are there are girls right now that are circling lots of games on the NFL calendar just to go to these games or to watch these games, and they just want to see her in the box. They don't, they, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but but from a financial standpoint what what can we what can we help our audience with today yeah so the overcoming the retirement cycle of fear uh spending in retirement is a very scary thing to do lots of people don't know exactly where they're going to get their retirement paycheck from and i know you just mentioned oas and cpp and those are two great pretty much guaranteed revenue sources there but then throughout your whole work you should have been building up your rsp uh, maybe your contribution plan at work so those are two other places that you should be getting your retirement paycheck from but even with that we still get lots of clients saying like i, I know what the numbers say and it says that i'm good to spend what i've been spending during my whole work life but I, i'm still too scared to spend and it's a it's a little bit of a disempowerment to them and it makes sense some people have been working 30 40 or even 50 years uh genuinely productive members of society they step away from what is likely the height of their career accomplishments peak earnings and maximum savings years because that's typically when people retire they've worked all their time and they built their salary or their commissions up and then they retire so despite being up there now you're going from a top earner to okay well now i have to figure out where i'm getting my money every two weeks and it can be a little bit disempowering and we, so one way to do this is to phase into retirement um, from a mental, physical and financial perspective. Uh, there's a strong case for this and to just not really just dive on 
dive in there and just not have that mental uh, ability of just like, okay, well now what do I do? You should be planning for what you want to do, have goals, really think about what you want to do during retirement. And then you can talk to your financial planner and they'll be able to say, okay, well, you're going to take this much from CPP at 65 or 70, depending on the situation, you're going to get OAS, you're going to get your RIF. And this is how you're going to pay for all those hobbies and goals that you have set. And you might want to never stop working. I know we have a, a friend who took this strategy and he's living his best life right now. He's, he's, and it took him a little while to figure out which one he wanted. He started at one company and they didn't like it. So he went to another and now he's, he's loving it. It's, it's not because he needs to be there. He's got that golden Cadillac defined benefit pension that Don mentioned before. And he, he, he doesn't need to work there, but it really brings him joy and it gives him a hobby to do and it keeps his mind active. So not just diving into retirement, uh, it could be the best thing to do here. And first, the most important thing is to have a comprehensive financial plan with your financial planner and to make sure it's stress tested. It's going to give you the comfort to sleep at night. And it's also the best uh, retirement paycheck source that we have is to show that because we have these graphs and charts that are going to show, okay, well, this is how much you're taking from each income stream to supplement your goals that we're going to go through on an annual basis. So that's the best way to overcome that fear of spending is to have a financial planner to walk you through every bit of it. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. Back for our last segment moments from now. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. You're going to talk about the best places to retire in Canada. Yes. And this is, uh, you know, people have their own opinions to this, but there's different aspects to look at when you're looking at retirement. And quite inevitably, people say, okay, well, this is what I like. And I heard this is beautiful. And, and there's a difference from a vacation and to live. And, you know, you, you may visit a place, oh, that's a fantastic place. Oh, it's so nice to be home, though. And so if you took, let's say, the average 65 year old couple with $800,000 in RSPs, Okay, they've done a pretty good job saving. 100000 in tax-free savings accounts. They are going to take their Canada Pension Plan at 70 because they sat down with us and made up a perfectly good plan. And what kind of in income could they generate to age 90 if they got a real rate of return of 2.1%? What I mean by real rate is beating inflation by 2.1%. That is very doable. Um, so it's... This is kind of like a, a kind of an average situation. Well, one thing you would look at is, well, you know, where would I be the happiest? Well, on the happiest front, it turns out that Newfoundland is the happiest place to be. And so you might say, I want to go to Newfoundland because that's where all the happy people are. Now, I'm not quite sure why they're so happy. But they love the yeah. snow. They love yeah. the snow. It could be the snow. It could be. Um or they could say, you know what? I'm going to go to the least expensive area. Funny enough, Newfoundland's on that on that mark again. I can live in Newfoundland, and it's the least expensive place to live. But also, Saskatchewan, 
in New Brunswick are right in there also. And they go, okay, well, I'm going to look at, I'm going to really work this out. Where will my money last the most based on tax rates? Well, this is kind of interesting. Even though we all live in Canada, the provincial tax rates are quite different. And so the best place to live would be Nunavut. There, you're, you would end up with an income, based on that scenario I painted, of about $112,000, um, sorry, $112,000 a year. Um, not bad. That's an after-tax basis. You're getting $112,000. So you will get a lot, of, a lot more bang for your buck than, funny enough, Newfoundland and PEI, you would actually get less. So it's... Uh, even though it maybe it's more costly, the the eastern provinces, uh, Newfoundland, PEI, Nova Scotia. It turns out Nova Scotia is the most expensive, so you end up with the least amount of money. And I do apologize; it was not one hundred and twelve thousand, more like one hundred and nineteen thousand for Nunavut. Ontario isn't that bad though; one hundred and seventeen thousand, and the average is one hundred and fifteen thousand. So I'm going to go where and get the most tax the best tax rate and I, and I get to keep the most amount of money. Uh, let's all head up North to Yukon and, and <laughs> Nunavut and Northwest territories. Unlikely because of course we also have weather. And so that might change your mind on that. Now, if you looked at homicide rate, okay. Turns out Nunavut's the worst place in Canada. So well, you might save in taxes. Um, you may not like the other outcomes at the higher degree of homicides. 12.1 per 100,000 people. Um, on the opposite end, PEI is 0.67 per 100,000 people. And so Canada is relatively safe. Newfoundland, again, they're quite happy. So uh, nobody's hurting each other over there. Uh, 0.83 per 100,000 people. So the top three are PEI, Newfoundland, and Quebec City. So those are the top three. Uh, Quebec is 1.02. Ontario, pretty darn good. It's uh, 1.47. And so Ontario in general is pretty safe. Now, the average is, is 3.76 per 100,000. Now, Nunavut pulls that up dramatically because the next closest was Yukon with under eight. Okay, so Nunavut is the highest. However, let's go south of the border. A lot of people say, you know what, I'm going to just scrap this. I'm moving south. And the safest state is Maine, with 1.7 out of 100,000 people homicide rate. Now, if you want to go to the opposite end of the scale, Mississippi is 23.7. It's way worse than anything in Canada. In fact, actually, it's not a state, but uh, Washington, D.C. is 30. It's actually the highest um, homicide rate in, in the U.S. So their average, not including, I didn't include Washington, their average homicide rate is eight. So those thinking I'll, think I'll just move to the States, uh, that may be a deterrent. Um, or you, you certainly got to know where you're going to hang out. Now, the best lifestyle, it turns out, what would you guess if you're going to just have the best lifestyle, Scott? Uh, British Columbia. You nailed it. Yes. You know what? You think about it, skiing, mountain biking, Ocean, rivers, lakes. If you're an active person, BC's got all wine. Um, the weather, of course, you got Victoria and Vancouver. And the, but on the other end of the scale, top cities that live in Canada ranked. Ottawa's number one. 
our next door neighbor here, Burlington, was number two. Mm. And Oakville was number three. So at the end of the day, take a look at all these factors when you're trying to say where you're going to live in. And it may end up being none of these. It usually is emotional. And it's where your family and friends are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are planning, have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox, and Mitch Fox here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Thank you so much. We'll chat next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.